there, pretties. It's Chrissy. And it's Heather. And a really sweet guy with a deep voice to give you a... Uh, oh, yes. Just a quick warning. Yes, the Chrissy and Heather show contains elements of real life, nostalgia, silliness, deep thinking, and nonsense. If you're averse to any of these ingredients, the Chrissy and Heather show may not be for you. So talk to your doctor and all your friends about this program. Let's get into it. Hey, Chrissy. Hey, Heather. How's it going? It is going grand. How about you? Um, it is also going grand for me. Great. I have to let you know, though, I've had a lot of coffee today. Right. <laughs> Almost to like the euphoric state. Um, I will just go ahead and admit to our listeners right now that you and I had coffee um, with mm-hmm. a pal of ours before we came here. I had two very only, strong coffees. Plus, I had a coffee at home this morning. So, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I had two cups of coffee at home. And then I had, which my coffee that I make at home is pretty weak. Mm-hmm. And then I had regular coffee at Lucky Goat. And I'll also let our listeners know that we um, made ourselves really comfortable. I don't know if anybody else does this, but we com- almost completely rearranged the, <laughs> the shop to our own liking because we needed to move a chair from one section to another section. So thank you, Lucky Goat, for accommodating us. We had to sit in the soft chairs, and I'm not going to compromise my butt's comfort for... Well, you know, it reminded me of um, my mom and I um, would sometimes, we would rent a beach condo mm-hmm. and we would completely rearrange the furniture in the condo to the way that it should be. <laughs> yeah. And then we would always put it back. Right. Before we left. And we put our chair back today. We did. We put it we back. But then I, we, I forgot, but you remembered. I remembered. So I came back in and did it with you. There was one time though at the beach condo when we rearranged the furniture and then it was time for us to leave. And so we were like putting, getting ready to put it back. And then we thought better of it. Cause and it was just so much better. We decided you, this is better. Then they'll see that when they get here. I hope they we did. didn't move their pictures, just the furniture and it was better. So we left it. I had a hotel suite in Chicago with my kids and we had a setup. It was when they were little, and there was a couple couches, and they were basically sleeping on these couches. Um, so I set it up like a bedroom, like how it should be for a, right. for a bedroom for them, and it was a much better option. Yeah, yeah. like and I mean, a hotel's not going to change their plan, so no. But they should have. Yeah, I wonder sometimes whether that person came to back to their condo and liked it. Mm-hmm. and left it that way or whether they immediately like if it was back in the time when you would write bad reviews about people they would have gone to social media i was and just thinking us. that what did they say about you online but it was before it was before days. then so we're mm-hmm. completely safe great okay so um i the topic that i want to talk about today i'm gonna kind of just jump right into the grab bag great let's do it we're gonna get into it okay and um the setup for it is mm-hmm. I have a, a song that I'm going to play. Ooh. And Are we allowed to do this? Well, I'm going to. I was wondering I about this earlier. I think it's public domain. I think this is public domain. Sure, okay. Um, but I'm really just going to play a little bit of it to see whether you can guess what the topic is based on the Excellent. song. Excellent. Okay. So yeah. hopefully this is going to work. Oh, there was a problem signing into my account. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, you goodness. You want to sing it for me? Um, okay, yeah. Okay. Here it is. 
Dun, 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 dun. Graduation. Dun, 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 dun. Pomp and Circumstance. Yes. The name of this song. Okay. I've played so, it many times how, in my band days. So that's your first hint. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's your second hint. Mm-hmm. This is a story. This is very short of um, when my older son was like three years old. Okay. And I came home from work around lunchtime and discovered my husband and our three-year-old son sitting on the couch mm-hmm. watching The Goonies. Right. Uh-huh. And I said, awesome what's movie. going on? Why isn't he at preschool? <laughs> my husband said, um, it's time. This is what's happening today. He's watching The Goonies. It's important me. that he sees this is, it. Yes. I watched Goonies fairly recently, and the beginning is pretty whoa. It is. It really is. It's yeah. one of those movies where when you watch it again as a parent, you're like, Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. a lot uh-huh. of movies like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's two hints. Do you have an, a hint, a, an idea yet of what we're talking about? Um, we've got Pomp and Circumstance and The Goonies and Staying Home from School. No, I don't know. Okay, I'm, I'm going to give you one more. Okay. This week, I'm taking my, um, my teenager for his first checking account. We're going to set up his first checking account. So are we talking about life transitions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Life right, transitions. Rites of passage. Rites of passage. Rites of, rites of passage. It, it got on my, on my mind um, when I was talking to some friends about there's a first time for everything. Mm-hmm. And what are those universal first time experiences that mm-hmm. we all have in some way that symbolize or signify I have leveled up. Right. Like okay. I, like mm-hmm. either going from like like kid to adult or like kid to big kid. Um, things like having your first job. Your, right. So your first car, you know, those things. Mm-hmm. Milestones. Gotcha. Milestones, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'd like to explore those okay. today. Great. I asked my husband, you know, what were some of his um, – milestone moments or or the way that I phrased the question to him was when did you when what things happened that made you feel like you had transitioned from kid to adult or kid to big kid and his was um getting the getting his key because he was he says I was a latchkey kid and when I got my key to let myself into the house after school. Oh. And I was able to, you know, come home from school, ride the bus home, come home, and his parents were at work, and mm-hmm. he had his key that he wore on, like, a string around his neck. Yes. And he would you know, be able to stay home and, like, have run of the house. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a big deal. Yeah. I like that. Another one that I got from um, some of my friends this weekend were um, – one of my friends said she knew she was an adult. Like she felt like an adult, even though she'd been technically an adult. The first time that she bought a car completely on her own. Yeah, I understand that. Mm-hmm. And she said like she had been married and her husband always said, we have to have used cars. You know, it's more economical. It makes more sense financially to buy a used cars. It doesn't mm-hmm. depreciate. And, you know, as soon as you drive it off the lot and all that. And, um, but this was a situation where she decided I'm going to buy a car that I choose 
It's not handed down to me by somebody else Mm -hmm. that I'm not compromising on, that nobody else is weighing in on what kind of car I'm going to drive, and I'm paying for it myself. And she went to the dealership and she said, this is how much I'm going to pay, and I've researched, and this is what I'm going to do. And she negotiated the whole situation, and Mm -hmm. she drove off in her car, and she said, that was a defining moment in my life. Where I was an like, empowerment moment. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to know what those have, what kinds of those you've had. Oh, I think I feel like I've had more than the average bear. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, like I think uh, for me, a lot of them come in the form of death. Like a lot of them come in the form of loss. Um, when you don't have your parents anymore, there is a big coming into your own you are suddenly the oldest generation of your family you know Mm -hmm. my grandparents all passed away when I was young Mm -hmm. um and so like when you lose your parents suddenly there's no one to be accountable to in the same way and you are accountable to yourself in a different way um and I have said many many times as much as I miss them and as much as I you know wish they were still here. I don't think I would be this version of myself if they were still here. I think I would still be in many ways playing to, um, you know, what's dad going to think about this or what's mom going to think about this in a different way Mm -hmm. than, than I do now. And now I'm just like, what do I think about this? Right. And that's the only thing that matters. You know what I mean? So, so, um, I think that that is a, is a really, really big one. And I definitely knew that I was responsible for my own destiny, that there's no fallback. Not that I ever thought of my parents as a fallback, but, uh, you know, you you have certain people in your life, and I think your parents are the number one among those if you have grown up in an environment with a healthy relationship mm-hmm. with your parents, that, you know, if shit were to really hit the fan, you could go home. Yeah. And when there's no one to go home to, mm-hmm. it's a whole different level of responsibility for yourself and your children than just knowing there's a safety net. And that's a rite of passage that you did not choose. Did not choose in any way. You were thrown into that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you had to grow up real fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, but, but like I said, as much as I miss them and everything, like there's real power in sure. that. And there's real freedom in it, too. And, like, I don't know. Like, it's taken a long time to see silver lining in a situation like that. But I really do now. Like, I I really, like, if I could have them back, I can take them back, you know. (laughs) But since I can't, a lot of good in myself and and the way I live and what Mm -hmm. I prioritize, you know, in case I die young. In right. case, whatever, you know, um, I live very differently than I would live without that unwanted rite of passage. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean because I, you know, both of my parents are still with me and very much part of my day to day life. And even though we don't live close together, um, but I do make decisions based on my family mm-hmm. and you know how my decisions are going to impact them or what they'll think right you know, what what I think that their expectations were for me or what they'll think about 
Like, well, for this show, like this show, for example, you know, when when I went home at Thanksgiving and, and we were talking about, you know, have you listened to any episodes? What do you think about the show? And my mom says, well, you know, you haven't said anything embarrassing yet. <laughs> and then the very next week is like, let's talk about sex. And I'm like, well, <laughs> nothing lasts forever, well, mom. you know. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, that's that's something that is hard to find a, um, a positive silver lining about but you're right there is a certain amount of liberation that comes from mm -hmm. from that definitely i just went for a real heavy rite of passage well for you, i have you know? another one that is not quite as heavy <laughs> another friend said and this happened recently for her she has had her first experience negotiating salary increase Ooh, that's a tricky one yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and we talked about it um you know uh, for a couple of weeks before she did it, you know, like a few weeks ago, you know, the conversations that you have, um, you know, just as they become up, come up organically. And as you have seen in conversations that we've had, we bounce from topic to topic to topic. Well, we got on the topic of just, you know, work life balance and the sacrifices that we make and the choices that we make for professional career versus how we want to live our lives. And, um, and she felt pretty strongly that she needed to revisit her compensation mm -hmm. because it was just outdated. And then weeks and weeks went by. And then this weekend she said, oh, by the way, I had this experience where I, I actually successfully negotiated a salary increase and I was terrified and I was trembling and I went back to my office and felt sick because I didn't oh, know. Wow. Yeah, I had so many questions about whether I was doing it right or because it just kind of mm -hmm. came out of the blue and I found myself in this situation. And that was a rite of passage for her. She yeah. came out the other side. And that is a tricky place for women to be sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is growing up. It, it is, um, you know, as a married person, there were certain things that I just never did. Um, or never was responsible for that when I became a divorced person, I had to very quickly learn. And some of that was managing my finances. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you were to meet my accountant, <laughs> who is fantastic, I love my accountant, like he's excellent, but he would tell you that I ask a lot of questions and I like, cause, and I want to understand and I'm really glad that I found this right person who will talk me through all of these things that I just really never thought about. I just let, mm -hmm. you know, I let my significant other take care of that. And, you know, he did it either well or not well. And I didn't know the difference. You know, right. and, and when you come into that on your own and you're taking care of your own bills, I until two years ago, I never had an online banking app. I never had like set up auto pay through my, I had no mm -hmm. idea like, I was like, huh? Like I walked into my bank when I got divorced and I'm like, I need you to teach me how to do things. You know, like, and my bank's like, what? And I'm like, like, what, how do I see my, how many accounts do I have? I had no idea. I'm like, can you show me my accounts and how much money I have in them? Mm -hmm. And, you know, like it was a whole new, a whole yeah. revelation. You know? I think about that sometimes about like if I was suddenly single, you know, either for whatever reason, you know, in my case, I always imagined it would be some horrible, catastrophic of course. that I would suddenly <laughs> be single. And um, 
like, do I know everything I need to know? And there was a time when I did all of the bills and my husband didn't really know what was up. And then then we switched and now he does all the bills and I don't always know what's up. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we need to kind of come into the middle. Right. (laughs) I mean, it's very easy to get into like, oh, you're better at that than me. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, oh, you have more interest in that than me or whatever. So you so you pass that part Mm -hmm. of it. I mean, we're still learning on this show what each of us are responsible for on mm-hmm. the back end because we're learning what one another's talents are and right for me it's easy to go well i'm gonna let heather do the social media because she's very funny and excellent at it so you can do that you know but <laughs> sometimes i jump on and do a little something too but it's striking balance when other people are a part of your right. you know are a part of your situation then you know yeah. certain things well, I've got another um, first time for everything. I was talking about this last night with a friend, and and she said, I really made the transition, or I felt like I did something big that made me feel really good about myself when um, she turned 30, mm-hmm. and it was the first time she was living on her own. She didn't have roommates, mm-hmm. and it was her birthday, and she didn't have anybody to throw her a party. Because typically, like, you know, with her roommates, they would each, they would just throw each other parties for right. their birthdays. Mm-hmm. And she said, I threw my own party. I love that. And she's like, I threw a party for myself. And people came to it. Of course <laughs> they did. Because they love her. She's like, that yeah. felt like a big life moment. Like, I threw you can myself celebrate a party. Yourself. Yeah, I like that. And people came to it. Mm-hmm. And it was all about me. Mm-hmm. And it was fun. That's great. I love that. Good yeah, for her. I think so, too. When I um, first separated from my husband, so it's not a big secret that I don't particularly love driving. Mm. I don't particularly feel like I'm the world's greatest driver. I'm a fairly aggressive driver. I'm a big road rager. Mm -hmm. And I have a horrible sense of direction. Horrible. The worst. The absolute worst. Coming here today... Not from my house, but from another location. I had to really think through how to get here in the town that I've lived in for, I don't know how many years, a lot of years. I had to really think about it. And I defaulted to the route that I knew. Like, there was probably a way better way. You got here before me and you left after me. I was surprised that I beat you. I was not surprised that you beat me (laughs) because I went the way that I know. Um, So when we first separated, I took my kids to Orlando, Mm -hmm. which is three and a half hours down the road Mm -hmm. from us. And driving my car to Orlando with my children in it and like being the driver. Right. It it doesn't seem like a big deal. I would do it now. Like I would jump in the car right now and do it. And it's no big deal. But then it was a really big deal to me because there was a point when we were separating that I was like, am I ever going to travel with my kids? Are we ever going to go somewhere on spring break? Mm -hmm. Are we going to, you know, because I don't like driving distance particularly. I don't like driving in town. I I don't like a road trip. I hate driving. And that was a big moment for me to be like, I did this. I, I drove us here. I navigated Disney traffic. Yeah. I parked this car. You know, like, I did it. First and, time for everything. Yeah, and it was a first. It was, it was a rite of passage first. First time road trip with you being the only grown up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hate driving, too. 
the worst. It's something that I have, well, I would definitely miss this if I was suddenly single because over the past 20 whatever years we've mm-hmm. been married, I have effectively closed the door on any possibility that I'm driving us anywhere. Right. That's how I was. I, I never hate drove. to drive. I, until I became single, I didn't even know my way around town, really. Like, I knew how to get to my office um, when I used to work in an office. And I knew how to get to my kid's school. <laughs> that was pretty much it. I have a good sense of direction. I can get places. But I have a condition that I have di- I have self-diagnosed. It's called carcolepsy. I fall asleep within 10 minutes of our house. Like we get on the road. I cannot keep my eyes open. See, I can't. I'm an excellent passenger. Yeah. I pride myself on my passenger skills. I'm a bad skills. passenger. I will entertain you. I will Mm-mm. read you stories from the internet. No. I will. What I, I'm a very good passenger. I am not the driver. I saw a thing on Facebook that this guy posted. It was hilarious where it was like this album of photos. And he said, oh, I finally put together all of the photos of the great fun road trips my wife and I take. And it's all selfies of him driving and his wife totally passed out asleep. In I think that seat. I saw that. That is funny. That's yeah. me. Yeah. When I was a little kid, my dad used to drive us in the motor home down here to Florida from Ohio. Um, most springs, some Christmases, you know, so a couple times a year we'd make this trip. And it was always just my dad and I awake through downtown Atlanta uh, in the middle of the night because he wanted to get through Atlanta with no traffic, Mm -hmm. you know. And then there was a specific place that we stopped on the other side of Atlanta, you know, on the south side of Atlanta coming down to Florida. And I was always like, since I was a very little kid, I'm like, it's so not fair for him to be awake alone. Like Mm -hmm. it was a a fairness thing to me. And it was Um. like... So since I was very, very young, I have been the entertaining passenger. Like, and my sister and my mom would always be asleep. I try. I do. And I tell my husband, I'm going to stay awake this time. And I'll get coffee in the middle of the day. So I stay awake. And he says, please don't. Please don't. don't Isn't I have try. to deal with you on coffee? And, <laughs> and that's worse. <laughs> I think you should trademark carcolepsy. Carcolepsy. Car-ble- it's a thing. Say it's it. a real thing. I can't say it, but I like it. Yes. Carcolepsy. I actually looked it up because I was defending myself mm-hmm. and like I, I looked it up online when we were driving and I, I think I googled like I can't stay awake in the car and many other people have this condition where it's we attribute it to a combination of the white noise from mm-hmm. the from the road noise yes. and then the monotony yes. of if you're not the driver mm-hmm. and having to pay attention then you know the the scenery it can be very yeah. soothing i just i can't stay awake i will say that when i was a infant my parents said that that's how they got me to go to sleep they mm-hmm. would drive around you know so it seems reasonable okay so um speaking of first times for everything when is the first time well actually i'm going to ask a different question what was your first job my first job i got my first job when i was 12 years old um, I was a gymnastics teacher at the Ooh, YMCA at yeah. 12. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I taught the peewee classes and it's funny to me, like, I don't know who thought that I was a reasonable candidate for this position. <laughs> like, I'm leading classes of like three-year-olds right? And, and I'm teaching them things. And I had, um, a student who was deaf mm-hmm. and I didn't speak sign language and I'm trying to communicate with her Aww. and her mother and like, 
I loved this job. I lo- I did it until I graduated high school. Okay. So, um, but yeah, that was my first real job. Like I punched a time clock. Oh wow! I, yeah, it was it was a real job, and I did it a couple of days a week after school. Wow! Yeah, very mm-hmm. cool. My first job was as a clerk at a pharmacy. Oh, that's fun. Yes, and it was kind of like the like in a, a little bit the family business because the pharmacy was owned by a friend of my parents, mm-hmm. and kind of all the kids in our. My parents' friend group worked at the pharmacy at some point, mm-hmm. and so I would um, I would order inventory and I ran the cash register. How old were you? I was in high school. Okay, yeah, I I think I was probably a sophomore in high school, and I would answer. This is back before there was HIPAA, so oh right, mm-hmm. we didn't have as much of a requirement for privacy, right? So we openly talked about each other's medical situations. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the first time that I ever had my eyes opened to prescription drug fraud and how people would try to get medicine, like get controlled substances that they didn't have prescriptions for. Yeah. So I learned a lot. I mean, I don't know. If a 16-year-old is allowed to do that job anymore. Like, did you have access to drugs? Mm-hmm. <gasps> wow. Yeah. I know a lot of people who would not have handled that job responsibly, who would have given their friends things. Oh, gosh, no. That was not even on my radar. I I would, I would, we would get these packages in, you know, of the from the um, the orders, mm-hmm. and I would shelve everything. So we had all of the over-the-counter stuff. That was no big deal. But then whenever we would get the um, prescription medication, then, you know, I would, I would do the inventory. I would go through and figure out whether we needed to order more. I would put the new stuff on the shelves. That's a pretty responsible job. Yeah. yeah. It was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about your first car? What was your first car? Oh, my first car was Betsy Blue. She was in 1987. Yeah, Betsy Blue was my first car in 1987. Buick Skylark with big rust holes all over her (laughs) body. Um, she had uh, my passenger seat. I had uh, like glitter construction paper name tags that people could put up. She was filled with like toys from like McDonald's kind oh of situation. <laughs> there was a uh, there was some glitter, like I was like some some. Oh, there was a lot of decoration. A lot of glitter, apparently. Yeah, there was, there was, yeah. Um, <laughs> she she was a special vehicle. She was really really great. Did you buy her? With your own money, or was she gifted, or did you split the cost? In 1987, was a new car for my Mm -hmm. mother. Okay. (laughs) And then when I got to driving in 1996, Mm -hmm. that's uh, when Betsy Blue became mine. So it was a passed down. Yeah, actually, Betsy Blue went from my mom to my sister, had her at college for a while. And then my parents took her back (laughs) and gave her to me. So, my yeah. first car was an '85 Nissan Sentra, also nice. blue, mm-hmm. and I saved up my money from my job at the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. And my dad said he would match whatever nice. I saved, and so I ended up with enough to buy this little car. And I had it for three months before I wrecked it. Oh no! Yeah, coming home from my boyfriend's house when We've I was. We've had a either. lot of car wreck stories from you recently. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of car wrecks in Heather's history. Yeah. I'm not the best driver. I'm glad that you're safe. And that Although you're that wasn't my fault. I was hit by a drunk driver. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. You're kidding. No, I'm wow. not. It was really bad. And, um, yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. That happened. That happened. So, okay. First, oh gosh, how am I going to phrase this question? Because I, I don't know how the words are going to come out. <laughs> the first time that you took bad advice. Do you remember? Oh, I thought we time? were going a different direction. No. Okay. <laughs> the first time that like somebody gave you advice and you took their advice and then later on realized they don't know what they're talking about. I shouldn't have done that. I don't know if it was the first time, but the most memorable time that I can think of was uh, when I was uh, close to finishing my master's degree. So I'm married. I'm living on my own. I don't, not on my own, with my husband. Um, I don't have kids yet. You're you're just starting your career, Mm -hmm. you know? So I've been going to school for this career in applied behavior analysis, and I am going to leave my practicum job and go get a real job. Oh. And my professor was consulting at a really small company and he told me you should go and work for this company. It's two girls who do not have the certification that you have, do not have the certification needed for this industry. So they need someone to be the clinical leader of their program. And this is a way for you, straight out of your master's degree, to go and be in charge of something. Yeah. You know? And it seemed like a great idea, except that it wasn't. Because the girls were very, very unprofessional, and they didn't have a billing system, and they didn't have, like, it it was a nightmare. And I made it nine weeks to the day and uh, quit. And then I went back to my alma mater, basically, and I went to the program chair and uh, in tears, you know, and I'm like, this guy gave me bad advice. And I ended up uh, sitting down with the professor who had given me the bad advice. And he was a young guy, like he had just graduated a couple of years before himself, you know, Um, (laughs) and he didn't realize how bad the place. I mean, he wasn't maliciously, you know, he didn't realize and he apologize like we had an apology like we had like a like a like a breakup fight you know Aww. like we had like a like i was all, all upset i and was then, wrong no yeah, you were I was wrong we're sorry we're both sorry you know like i'm not sorry but um, <laughs> but um and actually i i still like i'm like facebook friends with that professor he's a great guy like you know but but, but it was like i got some very bad advice which um we were talking earlier today on our coffee about how everything turns out all right. Yes. And when you look back on things, things have turned out all right. It doesn't mean it's all right in the moment. This was not all right in the moment. But um, looking back on it, it was great because working for those girls is why I started my company. Right. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I quit and I went home and I said, I can't possibly do this any mm-hmm. worse on my own. I'm just going to give it a shot. Yeah. You know, so... It was actually fantastic advice to go work at the bad well, place. <laughs> quitting a job is a rite of passage. I remember the first time I quit a job, like quit a job. I've mm-hmm. given notice, you know, like where I've I've found a new job and then I very politely give my notice. So mm-hmm. this is when I'm going to be transitioning. I've, you know, that's that's part of professional life. And then I had a time where I 
quit my job mm-hmm. and left. You just walked out? I Yeah. And I, I couldn't believe that I did it. And I... I won't go into the circumstances that led to that. Just suffice to know that for me to get to that point, things would, would be pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And I, I had one of those moments where I realized this isn't going to get better. And I, I'm pretty sure I, I was pretty sure I was going to get an offer for a, a different job mm-hmm. kind of soon. And I just, I just knew that something. Is going to work out and it's going to be okay. Right. And I packed up my stuff and I quit. I still can't believe it. I quit. And then I called my dad on the way home and my dad was like, Heather, you just quit? Like, yes. Heather, it's funny that you say that because and it's funny that you say that you called your dad because as you were telling this, I was thinking about those rites of passage again. <laughs> and I was thinking about how... I spent a lot of time and occasionally I still slip into it where I am so respectful of the traditions or customs that I was taught are appropriate Mm -hmm. that when I do something else, I think, how would my dad feel about this? You know what I mean? Like, but I also think that he would be really proud that I stood up for myself. There, there is a time. Yeah. And, and I think that's a big rite of passage. There is a time when you go, you know what? The rules don't apply to this situation. Yeah. And it's okay for me to break what I think. Like, yeah. you know, we have these images of ourselves that we set up. Of, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a professional and I'm mm-hmm. kind and I'm. These and are I'm, the parameters you know, that yeah, I work and in. I, you know, and I'm level-headed and I don't, you know, react big in a situation. You know, I, I talk through things rationally and mm-hmm. calmly at work, you know, and I'm a good professional. And there's a time when it's okay to be like, mm, yeah, actually that's bullshit, right? And uh, we're not going to do it that way. I know? still can't believe that I that I did that. Um, but if, I mean, it was the right decision at the time. And you're right; everything did turn out mm-hmm. fine. And I did get the job offer. In of fact, course you did. I had packed my stuff up, and I was walking. I had quit the job, and I left the building, and I was walking down the sidewalk with my stuff in a box <laughs> kind of still like oh my god oh my god I, just I quit did my that. job mm-hmm. and now I have no job and <laughs> then my phone rang and it was the um the other job and they were like can you when can you start serendipity yeah and and so then you know I then emotions immediately shifted to elation mm-hmm. and um, and then I did something that was a really nice self-care thing that I still think back on as one of the best decisions that I made. I did not say I can start next week. I said I can start in two weeks. Good for you. And I gave myself two weeks to transition and just kind of take some time for me. And that was that was a rite of passage too, kind of just standing up for my own self care needs and mm-hmm. saying I'm taking two weeks for me of course I didn't have kids then right. it was just me and my husband so I didn't have as many people to think about I think that that story you just told is the kind of thing that sometimes people can be like of course of course that happened for her of course she walked out with her box in her hands and the other job called like that that's a writer story is what that is that's the story that's we're good at storytelling because Mm -hmm. we're both writers that's true and i always say that i don't believe as writers that our lives are any more interesting 
or are any luckier or are any different, really, than non-writers' lives, except that we talk about them in a better way. Like that we like <laughs> that, that we know how to, you know, to garner the lesson and spin the tale for ourselves and then for a broader audience in a different way. I am a big moral of the story person. Me too. Or like a big, um, you know, like, and what they learned was, <laughs> exactly. and everything uh. was okay. <laughs> and, you know, I do like to tie it up with a bow. Mm-hmm. And even if the, like we were talking earlier about how, you know, we do often tell stories where everything ended up being okay. But there are times when the end is not a happy ending. The book that I am writing right now, mm-hmm. the hardest thing, because it's memoir, is knowing how to end it and how to wrap up a situation that never did resolve. Right. You know? And I want to wrap it up in real, real. I want I like... Like, as of course, this is going to be a bestseller. It's going to turn into a movie. <laughs> and I think about the movie ending and I think about what people will want the movie ending to be. I know what I know what readers want the ending to be, but mm-hmm. that's not the real ending. Mm-hmm. So it's a like existential internal crisis as to how am I going to how am I going to, you know, wrap yeah. this and I'm going to wrap it truly. I mean, it's it's my real life and it, right. it is yeah. what it is, you know. But um, it's going to be interesting to see the reception yeah. of a non-happy ending. I've definitely had experiences of watching something on TV or a movie where the ending was not happy and it didn't have a bow at the end where it, everybody was okay. And I remember just feeling like, whoa, whoa, wait, hold, whoa. Like, mm-hmm. that's it? Like, it was not mm-hmm. done? It almost makes it hard for me to end it. It makes me feel like, okay, well, I'm going to finish writing this book, and then I'll wait five years and see, you know, if there's resolution to this so that I can put a nice right. epilogue, you know? I'd like to add stay a nice tuned. epilogue. Yeah, no, stay tuned. continued. Life is still happening, folks, <laughs> you know? Well, that's a really interesting thing that you say, life is still happening, because I wonder what rites of passage lie ahead for us right you know things that we have not yet experienced that are going to be milestone moments that we might not even know that they're going to happen right I read a really cool modern love the other day it was written by an 83 year old woman and she was talking about um that she is an ageist she's like I judge people by their age she's like Mm -hmm. even though I'm old she's like I don't think that I should be allowed to be attractive anymore. I don't hmm. think that I like, and it was really interesting. She was talking about a man 30 years younger than her, um, basically coming up on her porch and sitting down with her and very nervously telling her that he was interested in her, hmm. like romantically. Interesting. And uh, like it made her consider her own sexuality, her yeah. own ageism. Like, and it, it felt like, I mean, you don't write into the New York Times for something trivial, you know, it felt like a rite of passage for her at 83, Interesting. you know, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Huh. First time for everything. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder what our listeners' um, first times are like, you know, and, and what rites of passage have been the most significant 
you know, tell us about your first job. What was your first car? What was your first date? Um, you know, the first time you quit a job, the first time, your first marriage. Right. You know? Yeah, your first, yeah, the first one. Right. <laughs> See how the next one goes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then, you know, we're also coming up to the first of the year. You know, yes. soon it's going to be a new year, a new decade. And, you know, some people like to set goals and, and um, whether you call that a goal, a resolution, an intention, you know, everybody has some type of version of themselves in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, that even if you are perfectly joyful and content with how who you are and how you are now i think that we all have some idea in our mind of what we would also like to become mm-hmm. or what we hope to aspire to and so i wonder what other firsts are out there for for you and for me and for our listeners well friends go on social media mm-hmm. and tell us and tell us about the little things we don't it doesn't have to be you know the big moments tell us about this little thing that made a big impact for you that was that felt like a that felt like a big deal because yeah. you experienced it uh, you can find us on insta you can find us on facebook at chrissy and heather c h r y s s y um so you can find us there and until next time see ya see ya bye Deep voice guy, how'd we do? I think you ladies did absolutely fabulous. And for those of you looking to increase your dosage, make sure to connect with The Chrissy and Heather Show on Facebook and Instagram.